Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Sportsbook Confidential. My name is John Sullivan, and I'm coming to you live from the FingerLakes.com, FingerLakes1.com, third try, uh, studios in Seneca Falls, New York. And this little show here is to help you learn and grow as a sports better. Now, uh, got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Uh, we're going to try to cover a lot of topics. Got a sportsbook lesson on closing line value. Um, We've got uh, baseball on Friday night. Uh, we've got the Stanley Cup final on Monday night. Uh, we have an amazing Sunday of auto racing. If you're an auto racing fan like I am, uh, my favorite day, of, one of my favorite sports days of the year. So uh, let's uh, get into it and let's start by um, updating my bankroll. And uh, we went one and two last week. Um, I did not choose wisely. Uh, I picked two baseball plays and I was waffling on one of them, and, and I, I lost on the Royals, uh, and that was a loss of $17. And uh, we won on the Braves. They won handily on Friday night. That's a profit of $14. And then uh, I lost uh, Saturday on the Sharks. Um, the Sharks were up 2-1 in their series against the Blues, and then they ended up losing three straight games. Uh, uh, the, both of these teams were in some very competitive series, and I expected uh, uh, that series to be a little more competitive than it ended up being but that was a loss of $17. So if you do the math, we had a loss of $20 on the week. And that puts our bankroll at $496. And if you divide by 30, as we always do, uh, then our bet size going forward this week is going to be uh, $17. So uh, another down week. Uh, hopefully we can turn it around this week. And uh, uh, let's move on to the uh, sportsbook lesson. And we're going to spend a few minutes talking about closing line value and uh, what is closing line value. Uh, let's start by doing a review. And for those of you that have watched the show before, uh, we did an episode with a sports book lesson on what is the closing line. And to uh, briefly review uh, what is the closing line, it it's the line uh, on a, a sporting event uh, as the game starts. It's the last opportunity to wager on a sporting event, the line at the very last moment before the game starts. That is the closing line. And when a line is offered, at the, the very first time it's available at the sports book, it's the opening line. And so as the line uh, is offered at the sports book from the opening point to the closing point, uh, there is uh, movement in the line. And uh, closing line value is equal to beating the closing line. You'll say people, you'll hear people say, if you beat the closing line, you'll always make money. Or I, I, I don't know if I agree with that, but uh, it's considered uh, if you can beat the closing line on a regular basis that uh, you would be regarded as a sharp sports better or as an experienced sports better, uh, being aware of closing line value is something that you need to pick up in your repertoire. And I've got a couple of examples we're going to go through here. And here's the first one. Uh, you can see on the screen, Dallas at New York Giants. And uh, Monday morning, uh, you know, Sunday night football games are are played all, all day Sunday. And then Sunday night, so Monday morning, uh, the line comes out at the sports book. And Dallas is plus 3.5, so therefore the Giants are minus 3.5. And so if we're interested in betting Dallas, you know, that might be an attractive number for us. Uh, so maybe we say, hmm, we want to wait till Thursday night when the injury reports come out. And Thursday night, uh, it's the injury reports come out. Now Dallas is plus three 
and obviously that means the Giants are minus three. And then uh, Sunday morning, uh, as you get close to game time, and there's sideline reporters and people doing their research, and uh, more and more money is coming in on this game, and more and more people are betting on it, and that's shaping what the line will be. And all of a sudden, it's Dallas plus 2.5. So, uh, and then closing line at 1 o'clock on, um, on Sunday when the game starts, uh, it's Dallas plus 2.5 as the kickoff starts. So that's what it closed at. So if you got Dallas plus 3 or Dallas plus 3.5 uh, on that game, if that's the side you wanted, uh, you beat the closing line and you, you got closing line value on your wager. Uh, you know, it's the same with uh, the Giants. If you had the you know, Giants minus 3.5, then it came down to minus 2.5 at the end. So, uh, you know, if you got – and it's not always about betting early in the week, although sometimes, you know, you just see a, a line and say, wow, that's too many points. I think I'm going to hop on that. And and I do that, and sometimes I'm wrong. I see a game that's 7.5, and, and it ends up going to 10. I'm like, wow, that team's getting 7.5. That's a lot of points. And then I bet up at 7.5, and, and all of a sudden, two days later, it's they're getting the same team's getting 10 points. And I'm like, you know, I didn't get closing line value, even though I thought, you know, I was ahead of the curve there. Uh, so uh, it's not just point spreads where you can get closing line value. So let's uh, move on to uh, – our uh, second part of the sportsbook lesson. Example two, I have the Stanley Cup teams here to give you a hockey example with no point spread. Uh, you have the Blues my, plus 135 at the Bruins minus 150. That's kind of where the line is right now, uh, Friday night. And then Monday afternoon, of course, the game's Monday night. Uh, you have the Blues plus 160 at the Bruins minus 180s. Now, there could be a couple reasons why that line moved. Uh, let's just say the, the Blues goalie was out. Uh, uh, Bennington wasn't going to play. Well, that's going to move the line. Or somebody put tremendous amount of money on the Bruins at minus 150, and uh, the sports books want to you know hedge their risk by uh, moving the line, and uh, they may do that. And then let's say at, at the close on Monday night, uh, Monday, no late money comes in on the Blues at all. So it ends up at Blues plus 165, Bruins 190. So if you got a better than those, if you got a number lower than uh, minus 190 or higher, I should say, minus, than minus 190, say if you got the Bruins at minus 160 or minus 150, you beat the closing line. If you got the Blues at the very end at plus 165, you didn't beat the closing line, but you got the best number. So uh, uh, as we've talked about beating the closing line and having closing line value, it's also known as getting the best of it. You'll hear old school gamblers, and they will talk about getting the best of it, uh, which means you got the best of what the sportsbook had to offer. So if you're getting the Bruins at minus 150 and they close at minus 190, you got the best of it. You got closing line value. And uh, so we know what closing line value is now. So why is that important to us? And uh, what do we need to know about it going forward? Well, sportsbooks monitor which bettors beat the closing line on a regular basis. Now, there are some bettors that take what I call the market approach to sports betting, where they're always just trying to beat the closing line and they're doing very little handicapping. And uh, they may take uh, advantage of, of uh, scalping or arbitrage opportunities or um, they're just looking to get good positions 
And uh, sometimes if they think a line is going to move late, uh, they'll take one side and then try to play it against the other to lock in some profit. So um, the sports books obviously uh, do not want to give away money. Uh, you know, they can't predict, you know, injuries, suspensions, and, and all these crazy other things that happen. But uh, uh, they do pay attention to who beats the closing line on a regular basis. And if I went in to the local sports book every week uh, to bet NFL and I kept beating the closing line, well, I wouldn't say they would cut me off, but I would say they would pay attention to what I bet, and then they might move the line as soon as I bet it uh, because they know that I beat the line on a regular basis. So they may use my wagering as information. But uh, this is something that I feel like you, it's not the be-all, end-all of handicapping, beating the closing line, uh, closing line value. Uh, it's important. It's important to understand the concept. It's important to uh, uh, add it to your repertoire when you're uh, evaluating your sports betting skills. I still believe that money management is the number one key to success in um, in betting sports. You know, on this show, I've not had a very good year betting sports uh, 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 based on the picks just on the show. But, uh, um, you know, my, my bankroll management is what keeps me going. It keep, you know, if you... Uh, you know, I've had I had a professional better on Twitter say yesterday he beat the closing line six games in a row and he went 0 and six. Um, so you know you have to be smart enough to manage your bankroll. So when you go through that 0 and six and 0 and 10, you know I had an 0 and five week on the show already uh, that you uh, can survive that you can survive the swings. So uh, money management is still number one to me, um, but the closing line value is something that you need to be aware of when you are placing your sports wagers. You can go online and you can look at where the, the line opened and where it is now and how it moved over the last few days, you know, over the last 24 hours, um, whatever the case may be. So um, that's our sportsbook lesson today. And I hope you uh, learned something about closing line value and uh, you might look more into it online or, or uh Try to get some closing line value the next time you place a wager. So uh, that's going to do it for the sports book lesson. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to move right into our uh, Major League Baseball. And I managed to accidentally delete one of my pages um, of the baseball. So we'll have to run through it on Pinnacle. Um, but uh, let's start with... Uh, we got an afternoon game here, the Reds at the Cubs. Uh, we have uh, the Cubs favored by .98 runs, minus 160. Not a whole lot of value in that game, uh, maybe on the run line, but uh, I, don't, I don't see much there. And then you have the Marlins at the Nationals. Uh, Nationals favored by .93 runs. You can see, if you compare just those two games, you can see how much better uh, your money you're getting on the Nationals as opposed to the Cubs. So if I was choosing between those two, it's pretty obvious which way I would go. Phillies at the Brewers. Brewers favored by 0.28 runs. I, I do want to say that uh, uh, these in parentheses are my model numbers, uh, my predictive model. Uh, I, I'm not claiming it to be you know 100% accurate, uh, but uh, it, it gives me an idea of which team is stronger and what kind of odds they're getting relative to their strength. So... Um, Brewers favored by 0.28 runs, uh, minus 127. That is not a horrible line. 
Uh, I think there's better value on the board. And then we have the Braves plus 141 at the Cardinals, and I have them basically even. The Cardinals favored by .01 runs, uh, but you can see the Braves getting plus 141, and that's a coin flip game. And if you're getting those kind of odds in a coin flip game, that, that's pretty much, you know, shouldn't light up your sensors in your brain saying, you know, consider that wager. Diamondbacks favored by .78 runs, minus 124. A very good line for that number at the Giants, uh, plus 115. Um, then you have the Rays, uh, .82, minus 129. Very similar line uh, uh, at the Indians, plus 119. Uh, we have the White Sox plus 176 at the Twins, favored by 0.43 runs, uh, minus 192. Not a whole lot of value there. And the Red Sox with Chris Sale going today, minus 136 at the Astros. Astros favored by 0.27 runs, plus 124. You'd like to see a home dog uh, getting plus money. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, a somewhat of a bias built into, you know, Yankees and Red Sox lines. Um, because they're very popular teams to bet on, plus um, dominant pitchers like DeGrom and others and uh, uh, Chris Sale. They they get very heavy numbers, very heavy favorite numbers. And uh, I do like the Astros getting plus 124 there. So I'm going to hop over real quick to, uh, to the pinnacle board here and uh, let's finish up. Uh, the games today. We're going to start with Tampa Bay uh, minus 130 at Cleveland uh, plus 120 and we have the Rays favored by 0.82 runs. Very good number for that. Uh, uh, we have uh, a few more games down here. Yankees uh, minus 143. They're favored by 1.01 runs. Um and then we have the Royals, uh, plus 132. Uh, so you like the Yankees there. Uh, Seattle Mariners at Oakland Athletics. Oakland's favored by 0.87 runs. We have uh, minus 154 for the Athletics, plus 142 for Seattle. And then we have the Padres at Toronto. And we have the Padres favored by 0.53 runs, minus 113. Toronto, plus 104. And then we have the Tigers at the Mets, and the Tigers have uh, some real pitching problems these days. And we have the Mets favored by 1.18 runs. So uh, we have Snydergaard pitching for the Mets, minus 272 and plus 247 for the Tigers. Uh, really no value there. Uh, Baltimore Orioles at the Rocks in uh, mile high. Rockies favored by 0.25 runs. And we've got Baltimore plus 144 and Rockies minus 157. Um, you really got, uh, you know, some good value on, on Baltimore there. Um, you know, it's not exactly a coin flip, but it's pretty close. Uh, and, and by the way, I don't have a line for the Dodgers and the Pirates because the Pirates pitcher has not been announced, so nobody's released a betting line. So um, that is going to do it for uh, our baseball preview. And uh, before we uh, move on, uh, let's go to, I mean, before we get to picks, let's go to our hockey preview to, today. And uh, Monday night, uh, they they've taken six days off, I think, between uh, the last game of the conference finals. 
Uh, and then Monday night we'll have Stanley Cup Game 1. And it's the Blues at the Bruins. And the Blues are plus 134 and the Bruins are minus 148. Now, the, I, what I am going to say about these two teams is, you know, they've, they've both played Game 7s uh, to advance. Um, the Bruins had their toughest test in Round 1. Uh, the Blues had a seven-game set with um, Dallas. Uh, but I do think uh, that the teams with the two best goaltenders uh, didn't make it to the finals. I, I don't think there's any question that uh, uh, the two best goaltenders uh, were significant in advancing these two teams and getting them to where they are. Rask has been phenomenal. And in my opinion, he's the better of the two goalies. So you need uh, – Basically, I, I really like Boston in this series. Uh, I really like them at home. And it's going to come down, I hate to say it, it's going to come down to stupid penalties. Uh, when, you know, when a player like Marshawn takes a stupid slashing penalty or he licks an opponent or something, some unsportsmanlike conduct thing that's just a stupid penalty, um, that's, that's bad for uh, either team. And both of these teams have phenomenal power plays. Obviously, I believe that the Bruins have the better top line. They're, you could argue their top line is the top line in the league. Um, the Blues, obviously, I think have more depth. Their fourth line, that Sundstrom, uh, uh, Steen line with number 49, I can't pronounce his name, Rand Reg or something like that. Um, uh, they've been scoring and contributing and just playing, you know, awesome defense, but also contributing offensively. Uh, so it's it's easy to say St. Louis has more balance. Uh, I don't think this is going to be a sweep, uh, but I do like the Bruins in game one. They have rested Chara. He should be back. They should have their six best defenders on the ice, which is going to help. It's going to make, without power play, it's going to make it really difficult for St. Louis to score. I look for this to be like a 3-1 game, 2-1 game. But uh, I do like the Bruins in game one, and we'll see how they play before um, I even consider making a pick on game two. Uh, obviously, there are no odds out yet. But, uh, uh, you know, both, both teams are easily rested. They're, they're at as full strength as they're going to be. So uh, Bruins in game one is my choice. So uh, before we get to picks, uh, i got even more stuff to talk about, and that is uh, uh, Sunday – is the best racing day of the year, in my opinion. Uh, if, you don't, if you don't agree with me, then you don't agree with me. But uh, you have in the morning, you have the Monaco Grand Prix, the second oldest race, uh, the second oldest circuit in racing, uh, in, in Grand Prix racing. Uh, it's a fabulous, it's super narrow and it, it's a it's a challenging course, and there's very little passing. But what makes it exciting is the cars are put under so much stress that they you know they break down and they cause crashes. Uh, there there's not that many places to pass. So whoever gets the best start is clear in a way the favorite to win the race, and they're. Uh, qualifying session is coming up today, and it may may have already happened for all I know, because um, uh, obviously it goes during the day. 
but the in the uh, championship standings, the uh, two Mercedes cars are are far and away the best cars. Uh, usually, Ferrari is right behind them, but they've had uh, some uh, mechanical problems. I think with the gearbox, uh, they have just not been competitive, and I don't think they're going to be competitive today. And uh, Max Verstappen and the Red Bull, they're like the third tier car, but in this race, they'll he'll be competitive uh, because sheer you know technology cannot just win this race. Uh, you have to have not only the best car but the best drivers, and uh, you know they they obviously don't. There's there's spots on this track where they go 270 kilometers, you know, 200 miles an hour, but uh, you don't have to have the very fastest car to be the fastest driver, and that's what's cool about it. So he may compete uh, depending on where the qualifying ends up, but you can be sure if the two Mercedes cars start one and two that one of them is going to win the race. You know, if there's no mechanical failure, if there's no, you know, car damage. So uh, I actually like Bottas here. Uh, the big question is, is who's going to qualify first and who's going to let who get through to that first turn? Um, I feel like Bottas could uh, could easily win this race. And again, there, there should be pit stops uh, at some point. So uh, it could turn out that way. So um, we'll see how that goes. But uh, a quick, you know, a 90-minute to two-hour race, uh, start your morning off. And uh, uh, I, I really enjoy this race, the beautiful scenery. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if anybody else can compete. Uh, so then you get to around noon, and you have the Indy 500. And uh, my favorite race of the year, and still on my bucket list. I've never gone. When I was a kid, my father and I used to listen on the radio because they didn't broadcast it live. They show it at night on uh, network television. But uh, 33 drivers in this race, and this race now has a lot more parity than it had in years past. If you remember back, you know, 20, 25 years ago, uh, you know, everybody brought different engines and different chassis, and and there are very limited choices for these teams uh, to choose from. So it creates a lot of parity. It's all about the setup of the car, setting it up for the right weather, and uh, doing clean pit stops and uh, getting the fuel mileage that you need. Uh, so what happens is with these 33 drivers, there are great value in the odds. And uh, last year I bet on Oriol Servia uh, to win at 101. And he was winning with about uh, seven laps to go, and he had to stop for gas. Uh, he wasn't going to make it on the gas he had left, so he ended up finishing, I think, like fourth or fifth. But um, it was uh, definitely, you know, a good position to be in. And I, I watched uh, some of the practice, and I'm going to point out to you that, uh, here we go, odds to win the Indy 500, that you can see that Polsitter Simon Pagino is the favorite and the Penske cars are always going to be uh, heavily favored in the odds. But there are some really good odds here. You've got Ed Carpenter at 10 to 1. Uh, he runs his own race team. He's related to Tony George, uh, uh, the owner of the track. Uh, he pretty much runs a team just for this race. He does compete in a few other races. But uh, 10 to 1 is pretty good for him. His problem is his cars always break down. So he needs to... Uh, uh, needs to try and keep that uh, going. 
Spencer Pickett at uh, four, 13 to 1. And Colton Herda is a rookie. He's the son of Brian Herda. Brian Herda was the team owner for Dan Weldon when he won his second Indy 500. Uh, Colton's already won a race this year in the IndyCar circuit, his first year. I really, really like him. He drives the 88. Um, I'm thinking I'm going to place a bet on Colton Herta at 14 to 1 to uh, win the Indy 500. I think those odds are very good. And you've got guys like, uh, uh, you know, former winner Ryan Hunter Ray. You've got uh, Hinchcliffe and Hildebrand at 50 to 1. Those guys can be competitive. And you've got, you know, Oriel Servia at 100 to 1 again. Uh, there's a lot of former winners in Helio Castroneves at 11 to 1 in this field. And uh, it's very, it's going to be a very interesting race. And it's just amazing that those cars can do laps at 230, mile, 230 miles an hour. And, uh, you know, there's, there's probably, I don't know, three or four or five pit stops in the 500 mile race. So the Indy cars don't usually go 500 miles anymore. They usually do, they'll have a 400 and it'll be 400K, which is like 250 miles. So uh, a lot of these guys don't have experience racing 500 miles. You also got Takumi Sato, the former winner. Uh, he's getting uh, 14 to 1 as well. So lots of value there. Um, and then if you can't get enough racing after that, you've got, if my... If I can click it, the Coca-Cola 600, uh, which is the, at Charlotte Motor Speedway and starts uh, late in the afternoon and goes through the evening. The lights come on on the track. It's in Charlotte, North Carolina. Longest race in NASCAR and often becomes a fuel mileage race. Of course, NASCAR is dropped from 43 to 40 cars. Um, and you have, you know, we have odds here for the Coca-Cola 600. Let's see if I can find them here. There it is. And uh, I feel like the Hendrick cars are the cars that are going to give you the most value in this race. Um, you can look. You can see Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex, Keselowski, Joey Logano. Those are the usual heavy favorites to win this race. And um, But you got Jimmy Johnson, Alex Bowman. Um, you've got Chase Elliott and... Uh, Eric Jones, I mean, uh, Hendrick's cars are good at adjusting to the track conditions and improving as the race goes on. And this is the race where that's most important. And I feel like that's where your value is. You can see they're 20 to 1 to 50 to 1. And uh, that is, uh, that's what we're going to do. Uh, watch that race and see who makes those adjustments. And so let's wrap it up here with my picks. I've run a little bit over because I started late. But... Uh, Covered a lot of ground today. We got the Braves plus 141 at Cardinals. I really like that matchup. Uh, we have the Astros at home against Chris Sale and the Red Sox plus 124. On Monday night, I like the Bruins minus 148. It's Tuka time, Tuka Rask. Uh, I'm going to take Colton Herta in the Indy 500, 14 to 1, uh, official play. And I'm going to take uh, Valerie Bottas, Valtteri Bottas. In the Monaco Grand Prix plus 215. It's either going to be him or Lewis Hamilton. So we'll see how that works out for me. But uh, uh, there it is, your big racing weekend. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you get to watch some baseball and get to watch some hockey. And uh, we'll see you here next time. So I'm going to play the outro music for you. And uh, let's get some winners. 
Thanks, everybody. Take care.